Hi, um, like Jacob said, my name is Angela Reese. I am one of the pastors here at Providence, and it is so nice to be with you as we journey together through the season of Lent. Um, like Jacob mentioned, uh, past couple of weeks we've been talking about breaking open, and we've been referring to that, if you're just joining in, we've been referring to that as a life-changing moment, um, something that happens when uh, we encounter all this stuff in life that, that can lead us to break down, but instead of breaking down, it leads us to break open um, and remain open to God, to other people, and to a full transformation of our lives. And that's really one of the intended purposes of Lent, is to um, allow God to renew us from the inside out and to um, just open us to abundant life in the Spirit. I gave up complaining this year for Lent, and um, it is <laughs> the hardest thing I have ever given up, which is, I mean, maybe a complaint, but um, I'm not just the words that come out of my mouth, because I'm a pretty quiet person, and I know every time you see me, I'm probably talking, but I am a quiet person in general, and so I've been trying to stop the complaining in my spirit, and it is really challenging. In 2014, I gave up social media for Lent. And it is the easiest thing I've ever given up. So now you know, right? The hardest and the easiest. Um, giving up social media for me felt like relief. It created some of that space Jacob talked about last week. And I had a really hard time going back to it. It took me years. I'm so long that I just recently changed my profile picture on Facebook for the first time in eight years. So a really long time. And um, I did post some things during that time, you know, like um, my kids' birthdays and how much I love my husband. But there was so much life that I didn't share. And I know that's true for all of us, right? But I always stopped short. Even when I wanted to, I always stopped because my mantra was, I don't do drama. I can't do drama. I cannot do the drama on social media. And I know I'm not alone in that sentiment. Like, I hear that statement from so many people, a lot about social media, but also in other areas of life. You know, people have said, I can't be friends or hang out with that person anymore because they're always wrapped up in drama, and I can't have drama in my life. I can't work at that place anymore because there is so much drama there and I can't even with the drama. I just can't, right? It, it wears me down. And that's a true statement. Drama can wear us out. But I've really been trying to wrap my head around what we mean when we say we can't do drama. Because here's the thing. We actually do like drama. We like it, right? And Hollywood, Netflix, Hulu, the whole entertainment and publishing industry knows that we like drama. I mean, raise your hand if you watched WandaVision, right? I was glued to my TV every Friday night. We have a rule in my house. My son had to have his homework done before we watched it, and he's tinkering with his Legos. And I'm like, are we done? Can we watch now? Right? We like drama because it's exciting, but we like it from a safe distance. We like it when we can sit back 
and have a God's eye view of the story. When we get to to be in the light and, and, and know all the details while the characters are kept in the dark, because it gives us a sense of control. And we like drama in this form because it eliminates some of the most frustrating parts of life, like waiting. We don't have to wait for clarity or closure or for good things to happen or be made right. We get to experience a full transformative journey in a very short amount of time, and it can feel hopeful. It actually has the ability to like release endorphins in our bodies that suppress pain and make us feel happier. And you might be thinking, like, wait a second. You just said it drains us, and now you're saying it makes us feel more alive? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying, because drama is complex. And there is actually good drama that leads to good things in life and bad drama that leads to bad things in life, but they don't stay in their own compartments, right? Because life is complex. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark It's actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so we can read it from three different perspectives of a woman who suffered with bleeding for 12 years. We don't know a lot about her story, but we do know that she went to see a lot of doctors and she spent a lot of money trying to get better, and nobody was able to help her. Okay, here's the story. And a woman was there, there is in a crowd that surrounded Jesus who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And then one day, somewhere on her journey, after 12 years of suffering, she heard about Jesus, right? This Jesus who could miraculously heal people. People with leprosy, people who were paralyzed, people who were disfigured. Jesus could heal things that that doctors could not fix, right? And she became determined to get close to him because she had exhausted all of her other options, and she was desperate. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's how much she believed in his healing power. If she could just touch his clothes, that would be enough. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. After 12 years of doctor after doctor not able to heal her, With just one touch of Jesus' garment, she was healed, right? Her suffering was over. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? I love this part of the story. I love it. I imagine Jesus just stopping, like halting right in the middle of the crowd, like a hard stop and turning around with his eyes just wide open, searching for the person who touched him. 
And Luke adds this little detail. It just made me chuckle. He's like, um, when Jesus asked that question, all the disciples denied it. You know, it just made me remember all the times growing up in my house. I had five siblings, and um, whenever something happened that required an explanation and my mom wanted to know who did it, which was pretty often, um, we were all like, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I don't know who did it, right? And she was like, I think I have another child named not me. I don't know, right? But in this case, it wasn't them. And they answered him. They said, you see the people crowding around you, and yet you can ask who touched me? They're like, what do you mean who touched you? You're surrounded by like a thousand people who are crowding you and pushing you. The better question would be, who didn't touch you? <laughs> but for Jesus, it wasn't that someone bumped into him, right? He wasn't concerned that someone invaded his personal space. It was the power that got, had gone out of him that triggered his question. He said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Energy had been drained from him. And, and it was more than energy. I don't want to downplay that. It was divine healing power. And I have no idea how Jesus experienced that, but, but his answer caught my attention because I think that's it for us. I think that's our stopping point. That's when we say, I can't do the drama. We can't do drama when it drains us of our energy. When it drains us of our power, which is another word for control. Or when it touches us and drains us of our peace. We like drama from a safe distance. Not when it touches our reality. Because then we actually have to live it. We have to, to feel it. We don't get to skip over the hard parts. And we don't always get answers. We don't get answers. The woman who suffered with bleeding bled for 12 years without answers. And according to Old Testament law, she would have been seen as unclean and forced to live in isolation, right? Away from friends, away from family, unable to go to the temple and worship, right? There were no online options for her. Can you just imagine the loneliness that she felt? And when she was around people, and I'm assuming she had to be because she, if she went to see doctors, right, she had to get out around people. Um, and she was supposed to, everywhere she went, yell at the top of her lungs, unclean, unclean, so that people would just move away from her. And that wasn't to embarrass her, although I'm sure it did. That, was, that law was their way in that time in history of keeping people safe and making sure that disease didn't spread from one person to another. So today, we would say that she lived socially distant for 12 years. And I think we're better able to understand her desperation to get to Jesus for healing after living through this pandemic. But in order to get to Jesus... She created some drama. She was breaking the law by being in the crowd that day. And if she got caught, she could have been stoned like to death. 
She was risking her life by being there. And maybe she thought that it was worth it because she, maybe she felt like she had already lost her whole life to her condition. Right? She had nothing. She had no one. But her desperation also put other people's lives at risk. Because um, if she touched them while she was out and about, they would be considered unclean, and they would have to isolate for a certain amount of days to make sure they weren't sick, right? That sounds really familiar. Her desperation led to dramatic events, and I think that's the case for us too. I really do. We are desperate for healing. We are desperate for relationship. We are desperate to be included, to belong. We're desperate to be seen, to be successful, to be worthy, to be valued. We're desperate for approval. We're desperate for love. We're desperate to be important to somebody. We're desperate to have families. We're desperate for our families. We're desperate for courage and clarity and happiness and provision. We're desperate for quiet. We're desperate for noise. We're desperate for truth. We're desperate for justice and safety and order. We're desperate for forgiveness. We're desperate to be freed from oppression. We're desperate to be rid of anxiety. We are desperate to not feel afraid. I could keep going. And in our desperation, we create drama that touches other people. All of us do. We just keep bumping into each other as we journey through life. And and a very human thing to do, very human thing, is to, to look to ourselves and to all of the worldly options to try to find solutions for our desperation. To just take control of all of it. But desperation without Jesus, it leads to despair, hopelessness, the bad kind of drama, an endless cycle of drama with no way out, the breakdown kind of drama the kind that makes us frustrated and more fearful and annoyed and contentious, it can make us question our self-worth and close our hearts off to other people. We've all experienced this kind of drama. We've all created this kind of drama. But when we live desperate for Jesus, that is the breaking open kind of drama the good stuff, right? The life-giving kind of drama, the kind that points us to hope and contributes to growth and healing in our lives and relationships. It encourages us to open our hearts and open our minds to explore new and different perspectives and have compassion for people. But remember, there's no tidy compartments, right? Life is complex, so these kinds are just going to mix and mingle. But when we live desperate for Jesus, we're able to look past a lot of the drama and offer grace because we understand the desperation. And that's not to say we don't take space when we need it. That's important. But it's what we see Jesus do 
mean, story after story, we see Jesus look past all the drama and right at our desperation. I mean, there's a story in John of a woman named Mary who poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair at a dinner party. Okay? Imagine that happening the next time you invite friends over. Right? Everybody was like, what in the world are you doing? But she was desperate for Jesus, and Jesus knew it. And he told everyone to leave her alone. Right? Desperation can look weird. Jesus didn't care. I mean, think about the friends who lowered their, their paralyzed friend through the roof of someone else's home. They just ripped the roof off the house because their hearts broke open for their friend and they were desperate for Jesus for him. And Jesus knew it. Right? The scriptures tell us that, that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees in the room were like, who are you to say that their sins are forgiven? Only God can do that. And Jesus said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he healed their paralyzed friend and he got up and walked out. I mean, Jesus created a little bit of drama of his own, right? No mention of the hole in the roof. I mean, Jesus looks right through our drama at our desperation. And we now know that that cost Jesus something. Right? Our healing always cost Jesus something. And he had to stay connected to God. He had to stay connected. God was his source of power. God renewed him and gave him strength to continue to break open. And when we, when we choose to stop striving, and break open, allow our hearts to break open and live desperate for Jesus, he will renew our strength. He will. And we will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 29:11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. I'm going to tell you about my favorite part of the story. When we left off, Jesus was looking for the person who had um, touched him in the crowd, and the disciples didn't know who it was. But Jesus kept looking. He kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus became desperate for her because he needed whoever touched him to know that he didn't break through heaven and embrace our mess just to heal people of physical ailments, right? He did. He healed people because he had compassion for them. But he was on a journey with a much, much, much larger purpose. He was headed to the cross to reconcile the world back to God. And he needed her to know that there was more for her. 
And after listening to her confession, I love it. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I love that he called her daughter. I mean, she was instantly part of his family. Can you just imagine what that did to her heart? She was no longer in isolation on earth or in heaven. She belonged more than she ever had. And he told her to go in peace. Okay, peace then meant something that it does to us. We think elimination of drama in our lives will will give us peace. But peace is wholeness. Peace is, is being in right relationship with God. It's a covenant of peace, a promise of peace accessible to us through our faith in Jesus. That peace goes with us. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Life is drama. We are not going to escape it. Not by getting off social media, not by living at the beach or the lake, not by eliminating people from our lives, and I'm speaking right to myself. The only way we can cultivate true peace in our hearts is by breaking open and living a life desperate for Jesus, by staying rooted in him and being strengthened by our faith in him in every moment of every single day. There is someone with a God's eye view of the story, guys, God. Trust that God is in control. Trust that God sent Jesus because he sees our desperation and wants to free us from it. He wants to free us from our suffering. Trust that Jesus is still fixing things doctors can't fix. He's still doing it. Trust that Jesus is desperate for you. He is searching for you. You are loved, you are valued, you are worthy, you are family. He's searching for you. In him, we don't have to fear or be anxious. He is our way and our truth and our light. We can stop striving. We can rest in him. We can allow our hearts to break open to him, fall at his feet, live life desperate for him. It's the only way, the only way to abundant life. Amen.